0: Glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came like out the room wide already. And he's hit the end
1: zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, lead. Golly. they tackle him in the
0: corner. Who can make a play? I can.
1: Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast presented by the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter and at FullTimeFantasy.com. We are glad and proud to be partnered with them Today we've got a great episode. Uh, we're continuing our camp battles this week as we kind of had to put that on hold last week and bringing in Brandon and Kyle to do a little bit of New Faces game. We are doing the NFC North today. We'll be talking about all the camp battles with all of those teams. And as always, Dennis is joining me. Dennis, how are you doing?
0: I am doing fantastic, man. I'm looking forward to a nice long week of rain up here in Ohio. We don't know what the hell's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got a huge... We gotta... Just crazy storm here in Texas the other day, and it looks like it's going to rain the rest of the, the rest of the week, which I guess I'm not against, although I, I tend to be outside quite often with my job, so that part does suck. Let's see here. So, as I talked about just a minute ago, we are going to do NFC North Camp Battles. Before I jump into that, because I always forget this stuff, the Listener League. So, obviously, we announced uh, on Thursday last week when we had Brandon and Kyle on our last two entrants to get in, we now have eight spots in the Listener League. We will discuss and let you guys know a new way to get into the Listener League on today's episode. It will be toward the end of the episode, so you guys can do that. We will likely take two winners from that as well, so that leaves us with one winner outside of the uh, rate and review winner, so hopefully we can get this league filled up. NFC North Battles. Starting with the Chicago Bears, which surprisingly won the NFC North. We talked about that a lot in our wrap-up podcast at the end of the year. Really did not expect them to do anything. And they really don't have a lot of battles here, at least on offense. Their their team has been put together fairly well by uh, by Ryan Pace. Matt Nagy has come in and really made that offense look good. QB, there is no battle. We know it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I think Mitch is in for a good year this year. Uh, I think he's going to continue to progress. I like Matt Nagy's system. The biggest battle, I think, is going to come down to uh, David Montgomery, Mike Davis, and Tariq Cohen. There are a lot of people who think that David Montgomery and Mike Davis are going to be splitting time in this backfield. I know you and myself are huge Montgomery fans. What do you think of this running backfield? Back trio right now in Chicago and how it's going to shape
0: up. You know, I think Tariq Cohen has established a role as a pass catcher, uh, return man, gadget guy. He's going to get his touches. Uh, I, I like what he brings to the table. There may be a little bit of uh, David Montgomery uh, reaching into his targets, but not much. What, 10%. So, I think if Cohen, given his diminutive size, can keep from taking big hits, he's still going to be able to, to play. I, I like Montgomery. He's a very elusive back. He's a, a big inside runner, tough guy. Um, doesn't have breakaway speed, but I, you know, there's not that many breakaway runs in the NFL. And so he'll end up pounding out 5, 7, 10, 12, 20-yard runs and keep moving the ball down the field. Davis, I think, will start training camp as the starter. He's going to get that veteran nod. But I do think Montgomery is the more talented back and will end up taking over and uh, establishing himself as the the starter uh, maybe as early as week one.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. We, we've we've professed our love for David Montgomery on this podcast since we started talking about the prospects earlier in this offseason. Uh, he was right there as my number one. Uh, I barely dipped behind Miles Sanders here toward the end. It was when I really started falling in love with Miles Sanders, and I agree with you. Montgomery can do it all. He's got great hands, you're right. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but with the way he runs the guys over, he doesn't need it. He's going to be perfectly fine. I actually don't think Mike Davis does much of anything. I think Depending on how preseason goes, if if Montgomery doesn't get injured, I could honestly see him taking over in the first game and being the starter in the first game. Mike Davis just coming in to spell him, give him some rest. Maybe it's more of like a a 60-40 split, allowing Davis to do a uh, a little bit more than we expect. But I think Montgomery is going to be the leader in this backfield. I think Tariq Cohen has been kind of shown what he can do in the receiving game. I think that's exactly what they're going to use him for. I don't think he's going to get much run. I think they're going to bring him in in certain packages, allow him to kind of split out and uh, make some big explosive plays because they do have a lot of great wide receivers there and tight ends as well. Uh, so I think that's what they're going to use him for is more of a weapon. They've, As you, I think, mentioned on a previous podcast, uh, the the Bears have come out and said that they plan on getting him out on kick returns, maybe even possibly punt returns to allow him to touch the ball more often because he is so explosive. So I don't expect him to get a lot of run. I think that's really going to be David Montgomery and Mike Davis, but I still think they'll get him some work in the receiving game, but I would not be surprised if, if David Montgomery here, by even halfway through the season, is getting 80%, if not 90 to 95% of the workload here in Chicago.
0: Yeah, I mean – Cohen had 91 targets last year in 16 games. So even if he loses 10% of those targets, that's that's just 10 targets. Yeah. Uh, so he's still going to get plenty of targets. Uh at 78% catch rate, so he comes in at 65 65 receptions. Um a few he didn't have any uh, return yards at all last year, so if they want to get him out on on some returns, use him. Uh, uh, he had 99 carries. I, I think that that number is likely to drop with Davis and Montgomery, so that'll allow Cohen to be. no, It looks like actually Cohen did have 33 uh, kick returns and 22 punt returns last year. So that's another 55 touches. Mm-hmm. So that's if you. Gosh, what's that? Put it at uh, 99 do some quick math. You know, that's over 200 touches for him. Uh, That's a pretty big workload for somebody his size.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think that David Montgomery is going to be, again, I know you agree, but there are a lot of people out there who don't. They think that because of what Tariq Cohen showed last year, he's going to, it's almost going to be a 50-50 split, and I just don't see it. I mean, Tariq Cohen is an explosive player. He is really good. Don't. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm not trying to, to, to badmouth Tariq Cohen here. I, I love Tariq Cohen. think he, he's a phenomenal player. and We've seen what he can do. And, and I don't want to say that he's going to be relegated just to the receiving game because I do think he'll get some run here and there. You don't want to just trot him out there for uh, – you know, just for – to be to be a receiver, I guess, is the way to put it. They're not just going to send him out there and then the defense is going to catch on that the only reason he's out there is to be part of the passing game. He'll get some rushes, I'm sure. I just don't think it's going to be a focal point like it was last year because Jordan Howard really just kind of struggled to be a part of Matt Nagy Matt Nagy's offense, and we know Tariq Cohen plays well, and then so does David Montgomery because David Montgomery can do it all. He he's a very good receiver. You go back and look at his college tape; it's a strong point in his game. Much to to be honest, I think he's probably the best receiver. Out of the backfield, out of all the running backs that came out, at least in the top three, out of him, Jacobs, and Miles Sanders. And I love me some Miles Sanders, but Montgomery is a much better receiver out of the backfield than even Sanders was. I would say he's right up there with the Justice Hills, Travion Williams of the of the world that came out this past year. So Montgomery is going to eat in this offense, and I think he's going to get used a lot more uh, than a lot of others think. I know that, that you're on board with that as well. I uh, am. There's not really a battle here at wide receiver either. They they have a lot of interesting players. You know, they brought in Riley Ridley, who I know neither one of us are really a fan of. We both liked Emmanuel Hall, but with he's already suffered an injury, so there's a chance he may not even make this roster. But we all know Allen Robinson is the one. I believe we both are big fans of Anthony Miller. I think he's going to have a good year as well. And we saw them kind of scheme ways to get Taylor Gabriel the ball last year. I think him and Cordero Patterson are both going to be kind of playing the same role. Do you have any thoughts on this wide, wide receiver core? My goodness, because uh, I really don't see much of a battle going on here. If not, we'll, we'll move right on to the tight ends.
0: Well, the, the wild card is Cordero Patterson. You know, it, is he how valuable is he really to the team? He's kind of that Swiss Army knife guy He can get you some carries, run a few routes, he can return the ball. He's big and he's fast, but he's he's athletic but not necessarily a great football player and I don't think yeah you know, we're far enough into his career now. He's not get I, I don't expect him to get any better at football. so you know, he's not gonna all of a sudden go out and catch a hundred passes. So that leaves M- Miller, Taylor, and Allen as the top three. I think the guy that's really the sleeper is Javon Wims. I, I think he's the four, the wide receiver four there. Uh, they like him. He's a big guy. Uh, where, what's he, uh, about 6'2, 6'3, 215, out of, another Georgia receiver. And, and he's flashed in the couple seasons he's been in the NFL. So I feel like he is going to be the, the fourth receiver. They're going to want to try to get Ridley in there. They did draft him in the fourth round. So they're going to give him every opportunity to show that, yes, he's a great route runner and he can get open. Uh, I'm not sold on him. I think that it's going to come down to how much are they going to run 11 personnel and how much are they going to run 12 personnel because the guy I really like is Adam Shaheen, who's the other tight end yeah. that that doesn't get the, uh, the the publicity that Trey Burton gets. Yeah. So if they're running twelve personnel, you know that pushes that wide receiver four uh, and that wide receiver three down the pecking order a little bit.
1: Well, speaking of Shaheen and Burton, that is the the last battle we have here for the Bears. A lot of people, including myself, were very high on the signing of Burton to the Bears last year. Just based on what Matt Nagy does, he's very good at using the tight end in the offense. And we saw it a little bit. We saw it at times last year with Trey Burton, though it wasn't used throughout the entire season. Some people want to say that was because of Mitch Trubisky. Some people want to say that's just because Trey Burton is not quite as talented as he was made to look in small sample sizes in Philly. Your thoughts on this battle, although it seems we already know which way you're leaning. How do you expect this tight end battle to to work out in Chicago between Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton?
0: I, I think that they're going to throw the ball to Burton, but I, I don't think that for where he's valued, uh, where his draft status is, uh I, I don't think that he's the value. I think uh Shaheen is the value. He's gonna come in, he he's the more in line traditional tight end, and I I feel like the snap counts might fluctuate uh or or kind of move if Shaheen stays healthy. The snap counts are gonna move towards him because Burton is gonna become more of that receiver uh But he'll be out there competing for targets with Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller and Cordero Patterson and uh, Tariq Cohen versus uh, Shaheen, who is going to have that more traditional role and might get out targeted, but is going to be a red zone threat. He's going to be the consistent guy on the field. He's going to get the snaps and the biggest You know, volume is king, and you get volume by being on the field. And so I I think Shaheen might – I feel like for the value you're going to pay for the two of them, Shaheen is the guy to own.
1: Yeah, I I like Shaheen as well. I've been picking him up in a few of the the drafts and startups that I've been in because he just drops so low. I agree with you that Burton is likely going to be kind of the the offensive guy. They're going to keep – Shaheen in is the wide tight end. They've talked about how much of a, how much better he's gotten blocking. He's become a really good blocking tight end, which I me I think is going to leave him out on the field more often, as you were just talking about being out there blocking. It's hard for me to say how much fantasy value he's going to bring back. That's that's the one thing that worries me because I, I don't know how often he's going to be targeted. We did see a huge dip in in the targets there for Trey Burton. Again, I, I know I was one of the people you weren't, and I'll give you credit on that. You were someone who did not think Trey Burton was going to work out in Chicago last year. Uh, but they, he just didn't get the ball a lot. And if he's not getting the ball a lot, I don't see Shaheen getting the ball a lot. I do agree he has a chance to be a really good red zone target because he is just huge. I believe he's like 6'6", 270. So he is just a monster and could easily be their best target in the red zone right there with Allen Robinson. I'm just not sure what to do. I would, in all honesty, kind of avoid this tight end duo if I could. But if you're really going to go based on ADPs and and price, I would probably agree with you and take Shaheen and and hope maybe for some upside because he's going so late in most drafts where Burton is is being drafted as a top 10 tight end. I don't think that he finishes there this year.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. When you look at Shaheen, he's listed on player profiler at 6'6 and 278 pounds. Now, he only ran a 4'7'9'40, but he's a great athlete. He's the 78th percentile spark athlete. Uh, his agility score is 65th percentile, burst score. His speed score, because he's so big, is in the 83rd percentile. So he, he's one of those, I mean, He's got a defensive lineman size, and you're going to have to cover him with a linebacker or a safety. And we've, we've seen that with Gronk, who, who wasn't always the fastest, but it was a good athlete. You can't cover him with a small player or a 225-pound linebacker. You need somebody that can body him up. And I think Shaheen has the athletic profile to make some plays. So I, you know, I, I like it. I like where where he is, you know, going into his third year, he's had a couple of injuries. So if he can stay healthy, he could really provide some late round upside surprise.
1: Yeah. and So just looking here at the uh, the FFC, um, my goodness, uh, like best ball and dynasty uh, ADPs here. So oh man, I just lost uh, I just lost Burton. Where did he go? So, his ADP right now, based on the FFWC, he is at 125, where Adam Shaheen, it, it stops at 400, and he's not on there. So, he is below 400 ADP wise right now in best and dynasty formats based on the FFWC. That's ridiculous. That is a huge discrepancy. So, I'm right there with you. If I could take Adam Shaheen, and really, I think, you know, um, something Brandon mentioned. On uh, the last podcast we had with him, Volume is King. We've talked about it many a times on these podcasts, Volume is King. Neither one of us are big fans of Melvin Gordon. Uh, We don't think he's overly talented, but the volume he gets makes him a top running back. The volume that Adam Shaheen has a chance to get in being a red zone target makes him, at least in my opinion, it gives him a shot to be a top 15 tight end. Because if he's going to catch, you know, 10, 15 touchdowns a year, which that's probably over shooting over a little bit, but just kind of give you guys an example. If he's going to be the red zone target for the Bears there, they're going to get in the red zone. They have a very good offense and a really good defense that's going to stop teams. I would say Adam Sheehan has a chance to obviously clearly outshoot his ADP compared to Trey Burke. The Vikings. The Vikings finished second last year, just missed outside the play or just missed making the playoffs after getting uh, you know, their eighty-four million dollar man in Kirk Cousins. I I am a big fan of Kirk Cousins. I think it was just a bad year. I think we can all agree there's really no battle there at quarterback. We know Kirk Cousins is gonna be there. Going to be interesting to see if if he can make a return back up into that top ten. He finished, or sorry, top five is what he was when he was in Washington for a couple years. Did still finish in the top ten at quarterback last year, though. Running back. We all know Dalvin Cook is going to be the guy. However, he does struggle with injuries. Hopefully, this will be the year that he is able to stay fully healthy. I do think Minnesota looked ten times better when Dalvin Cook was on the field there at the end. For me, there's really not much of a battle here afterwards. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be the bell cow. Um, I know uh, Alexander Madison is getting a lot of love. You've also got Mike Boone, Amir Abdullah, and Rock Thomas, and uh, CJ Ham there right now. I would imagine it's going to be Madison that gets the backup duties here and maybe spells Cook here and there. Uh, just based on how high they drafted him, do you see that playing out any differently?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, Amir Abdullah isn't the answer. And Mike Boone isn't the answer. So, they're, you know, they're going to be occasional change of pace backs. Madison will be the direct backup. Uh, he's not, you know, he's a 61st percentile spark athlete uh, on player profiler. Uh, you know, he was known for liking to hurdle people in, in college, which, you know, sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't, he didn't run a great 40, so he's not quick. So he makes his money by being loose in the hole and he's able to get avoid tackles. Um, and so at 221 pounds, I think he does, you know, he has a lot of similarities to his game. I think, uh, That David Montgomery has. He's got good size. He can run inside. Um, so he can gain that 5, 10, 15 yards per pop where he might not, he's not gonna run away and get you 60 yards. So I like Madison as the backup to Cook. He's not as dynamic as Cook, but Cook has got to show he can stay healthy. And until he does, uh, it's gonna make sense for, minnesota to bring people in to back him up madison's a decent pass catcher and start in two years starting he caught 55 passes at boise state so he's a decent all-around back even if he's not quite as uh dynamic athletically as dalvin cook
1: Yes, and I, I agree with you on that. I don't. There uh, There's one guy that I really like in the backfield. I talked about him last year in Rock Thomas, but I don't see him doing much, if anything, maybe a little bit of work in the receiving game there, but I don't think he, he does anything of fantasy value unless Cook goes down. I could see him splitting the workload there with Madison if Cook does go down with injury. Otherwise, just in my opinion, if you have Cook, pick up Madison late to, to handcuff yourself just due to his injury history, But but Cook's going to be the guy. Wide receiver here, really no battle for me either. You know that Diggs and Thielen are going to be the one 2 you know, give or take whichever one's really hot at the moment. Those two are going to keep switching spots throughout the throughout the year, though I do think this is the year Diggs finally takes a bigger step forward and kind of takes over Thielen's spot. Thielen has been the better wide receiver the past couple years. I think this is finally Diggs's year to shine. I am a little interested in the third receiver spot. Um, There has been a lot of talk about Jordan Taylor. Big dude, 6'5", 210. Uh, he's bigger than Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, which would make him very interesting down in the red zone for me for the Vikings. Other than him, though, I know he's competing with Laquan Treadwell, who I, I feel like we both can easily say is, is not going to be. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, he's, he's technically in the battle right now, but I don't think he does anything. The only other one that's really getting a lot of mention is uh, Chad Beebe. Uh, I don't know much about Chad Beebe, but I, I actually kind of like what I've heard and read on Jordan Taylor, so he might be a sneaky guy to watch because uh, I do think Minnesota's offense, although they are going to run the ball more often, I do think he, he could be someone who's an interesting play in very deep leagues. Tight end. Oh, go ahead. You well, to watch
0: I, I think, you know, there's – a guy to kind of keep an eye out for in Minnesota, you know, they brought in two rookies, Dylan Mitchell and Ola B.C. Johnson. Mm -hmm. So Johnson is out of Colorado State, caught 54 passes last year, six foot, 200 pounder uh, with good speed. Uh, I I wouldn't, you know, necessarily write him off. Uh, I think that uh, Jordan Taylor is going to be that big red zone guy when they need it. It's really a two-man show there, and so it's it's a, a challenge to try to project usage for the, the third guy. Uh, I, Treadwell has shown it's not him. He's had four years, three years. Uh, I picked up some shares of him last preseason to just see if there might be a breakout coming, and uh, there's not. It, it's not going to happen. So but you know, they brought in a couple rookies, and they're gonna let those rookies kind of fight out fight it out with you know the free agents they signed they let Aldrick Robinson who flashed they let him walk. I think he's in Atlanta now um, but Johnson is one who's who's turned some heads a little bit
1: tight end, which. I don't know necessarily if there's really a battle here. It seems like from everything that's been happening, it's going to still be Kyle Rudolph this year, but they did draft Irv Smith. I am someone who does not think that the re-sign or them extending Kyle Rudolph uh, hurts, um, I almost called him O.J. Howard, Irv Smith's value. For me, it doesn't matter what a a player is paid, the better talent is always going to win out and get on the field. We've seen that. Throughout the history of the NFL, you know another example of that happening right now is in Washington, where they're already talking about Paul Richardson not even making the field, possibly even being cut, and they paid him a shit ton of money last year. Money doesn't matter. For all we know, they restructured um, Rudolph's contract and extended him to make it more team friendly. They could still trade him. Irv Smith, if he shows better and looks better, he's going to get on the field. I personally think he is going to be a better not going to be. He's a better prospect right now than Kyle Rudolph. I can't say that he was a better prospect coming out of college, but right now he is going to be better than Kyle Rudolph in my opinion. He is faster, more athletic, he's bigger, he's just a stud, and he's played in a pro-style offense at Alabama. We know what he can do. Does he get on the field right away? Probably not. I would imagine Kyle Rudolph still has that cemented away, and I think that Kyle Rudolph's going to probably have a I mean, again, tight end is, is really bad. So I would say probably around the top 12 tight end year. But I would not be surprised if Irv Smith takes over at some point and, and really kind of shows everybody, especially those who have been doubting him now, that uh, Kyle Rudolph got extended exactly what he can be in the NFL.
0: Yeah, the the Rudolph contract was interesting. You know, it, It's more of a uh, mirage than anything else. They can cut him after the 2019 season, uh, with only 55.8 50, million in dead cap. So there, there's not that's not a huge impact, and it goes down from there. So if they keep him for two more years, then they end up with only 4.35 in dead cap. Uh, there, there's not uh, the contract is not prohibitive to him being cut. So if Smith comes in and shows you know that that he can be the pass catcher at tight end they don't have any real incentive to keep rudolph you know they've got david morgan they've got tyler conklin you know those guys can be blocking tight ends and it's very similar to what's going to happen in chicago and are they going to run 11 personnel they're going to run 12 personnel uh you know and if they're if they're running uh, eleven personnel, then I think Irv Smith going into twenty twenty, Irv is the guy.
1: Yeah, and I misspoke. I said that Irv is bigger. He is not bigger. He is faster. I believe Irv is like six two. Kyle Rudolph, I know, is bigger than six two, so I do apologize about that. But Irv, Irv Smith, I think right now is just going to be damn it, the, Matt. the overall better prospect. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> I, was, I said that, and then I'm thinking, I'm like, oh wait, actually, I think Kyle Rudolph. Let me, I'll, I'll look really quick. But I, I know Irv Smith is like six one where to go. So Irv Smith, is he's 6'2", Kyle Rudolph is 6'6". So yeah, he's not, you know, he's, they're close, right? Yeah, 6'6", 25, 65. So Rudolph is definitely bigger, but I think, you know, if anybody watched Vikings play last year, I think Kyle Rudolph just did not look explosive. He was very slow off the ball, just not running very fast. I think Irv Smith is by far the more dynamic and better athlete. The Packers, man, man, that's just, this This is flying by because there's really not a lot of, of battles in this, and the Lions is going to be a whole lot of fun, I'm just going to let, I'm just going to sit back and let you go at it, being being the Lions fan here, but, uh, so the Packers, we obviously know there's no battle here at QB, it's going to be a wrong, there's no real worry about that, running back, however, could be very interesting, so, I know I am. I'm pretty sure you still are, but maybe you've come off Aaron Jones a little bit as it seems like a lot of people have been jumping off that train. Uh, but I think Aaron Jones is by far the most talented running back in that backfield. He has, or There's been word that he's going to be sharing the ball with Jamal Williams there, and there are a lot of people who really like Dexter Williams this year who got drafted by the Packers as well. How do you see the backfield shaking out between those three in Green Bay?
0: Well, I'll tell you, people might be jumping off uh, the Aaron Jones train, but they're not selling him at a discount.
1: Show me the money! Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I, I'm a big Aaron Jones fan. I think he's a very dynamic player. Um, if he if he starts all 16 games this year, you know, he caught 26 passes and 35 targets only starting eight games last year. Uh Jamal Williams is a jag. Yeah. He's going to be what he, he's what he is. He's not very athletic. He's not going to break any tackles. Uh, he's good at protecting the quarterback, uh, on pass plays. Dexter Williams, I think, uh, he's got, he's going to have to, he, he's really fighting to take Jamal Williams' role. Uh, I would be surprised if, Dexter uh, really impinges upon Aaron Jones. I could see a 250 carry season for Jones. Now the question then comes: at at five nine and two ten, can he hold up to it? He's elusive. He averaged five and a half yards per carry last year, and the fact that McCarthy wouldn't give him the ball more was just ludicrous. And you know, you you. The Packers didn't have a bad running game; they just didn't use their running game. So it, it was painful to watch, especially for somebody that had Aaron Jones on their team. Uh, you know, hopefully Dexter can supplant uh, Jamal Williams and be more effective. Um, we'll see. It's it's up there. You know, he's a rookie. Running back is the position that rookies can contribute the most uh tribute the most quickly uh in fantasy so uh he's going to get a shot you know it's a new coaching staff so i uh, i i like the i like Aaron Jones i'm still on Aaron Jones and when i can get Aaron Jones i'm getting Aaron Jones
1: yeah i'm right there with you so let's I just want to play a, a little game here with Aaron Jones. So you did talk about how he, he is 5'9", 210. Yeah, it, it's hard for some of those running backs to hold up. He's, he's not overly big. However, 88th percentile in burst score, 89th percentile in agility score. His best comparison, he's a, of uh, on, on player profiler. Can, can you guess who it is? I don't know if you still have it up. So do you want to take a guess at who it is? Because I think a lot of people will be surprised to hear who it is.
0: Walter Payton?
1: No, I'll, get, I'll, I'll let you do this. He's a top three running back right now in fantasy and in the NFL.
0: Oh, Zeke Elliott?
1: Christian McCaffrey. Oh. Because of his receiving ability. I think really exactly what you touched on is his biggest thing, is that he was not given the ball last year. When he was, he was dynamic. He was elusive. Again, 5.5 yards a carry, that is not easy to do in the NFL. That that you know that, That's considered decent in college because of the way that the college game is that is not easy to do in the NFL that is an elite running back his biggest thing is just going to be holding up if he can stay healthy Aaron Jones I think is going to prove this year exactly what all of us have been saying for the past couple years that he is an elusive and just he's an all-around great running back I was trying to get Jamal Williams to pop up here but I can't uh, for some reason it is not pulling up I had, um it was it was Robert Turbin. That's what his best comparison was, was Robert Turbin. Jamal Williams is just not good. I agree with you 100%. I do think Dexter Williams does end up taking that spot eventually, because uh, I, um, I am one of those people who like Dexter Williams coming out of college. I think he could come in there and spell Aaron Jones a little bit again. I don't think they'll cut Jamal Williams. I don't think he's going to go anywhere just due to Aaron Jones' uh, injury history. But if Matt LaFleur gives Aaron Jones the ball and allows him to kind of be the bell cow here. I think Aaron Jones is in for a huge year for Green Bay. We have another really interesting battle here at the wide receiver position. So we know Devontae Adams is is the lockdown for sure, number one. Um, There has been a lot of talk that Allison has pretty much secured his spot as the two as well. However, what I found very interesting was there's a lot of talk of Allison's going to be moved into the slot which is interesting because that we've seen that position be productive, especially with Randall Cobb there and Aaron, uh, with Aaron, the connection that he's had with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, obviously a phenomenal quarterback. Allison, I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe in Allison, but if he's going to be in the slot, we already know that he has a good rapport with Aaron Rodgers. He actually played very well last year before he got hurt. So he's someone that I might start targeting in, uh, in fantasy leagues this year. I know a lot of people were kind of getting on him last year. This could be a year that he has a really good year. So if he's going to be in the slot, on the other, on the outside opposite of Adams, it's going to come down to Jamon Moore, Equinemius St. Brown, and MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We did see MVS really kind of have the bigger year out of those three last year. Uh, did seem to have like a really good run there with Rogers, and kind of looked like Rogers lost trust in him a little bit, and he really kind of faded off into nothing fairly quickly in the back end of last year. Your thoughts on how those three will battle out for that, that third spot and kind of the second spot on the outside?
0: I was surprised uh, that Marquez Valdez-Gantling is as big as he is. You know, he's six four 205. I, I'm a big fan. I've acquired some shares of him. Uh, I think he was the most pro-ready of the three guys they drafted last year. Uh, yeah, it's a new coaching staff, so none of them are. I, I think with new coaching staffs, you can sort of push draft capital down a, a little bit. So Allison is a street-free agent. Uh, And then you've got Scantling, Valdez Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, and Jamon Moore, who were all draft picks last year. Bringing in the new coaching staff, I think that levels that playing field a little bit. Um, But I like MVS to step in. You know, he's fast, much faster than uh, Geronimo Allison. Uh, So I think he can provide uh, an aspect, him and Equinemius St. Brown, can really provide a, a little bit different aspect to the game that uh, Allison doesn't and, and Moore doesn't. So it, it is going to be a, you know, I'm trying to think when was the last time that, you know, how frequently does Aaron Rodgers really support two wide receivers with a consistent amount of targets? You know, there's always one. But it seems like the second one kinda gets passed around. It isn't always the same guy. It's you know, it might be Allison this game and then Scandling this game and then Moore this game and then ESB this game. And so that could lead to a lot of frustration for fantasy owners. Um but I think for me, if I'm going out and grabbing uh, uh, a Green Bay wide receiver that's not Devontae Adams, I'm gonna go and Take Valdez Gantling. I think ESB is going a little bit higher uh, in, in the draft picks than him, and uh, you know you hear a lot of buzz about Allison. He's been there a couple years, so I, I'm probably going to go with MVS.
1: Yeah, see, I, I'm torn on this one because uh, I'm right there with you. MVS has looked good at times, and, and he definitely had a rapport there with Rodgers. I think it was at, at least like a five-game stretch there. He he looked really good. Then he did kind of fall off the map. I've been big on ESB since last year, and I do think exactly what you were saying, that he has a chance to be a, a, really, a real dynamic threat for them because he, I believe, is their biggest out of those guys. I, I know he's bigger than... Um, goodness! Why did how did I just forget his name? Then then Adams, my gosh! I, how how you forget probably yeah. the best wide receiver. Adams the is
0: the little guy at six one.
1: Yeah. 6-1. Uh, so Equinemius is is six five. You got Marquez Valdez Scantling. You just said how big he was, right? I don't uh, I don't remember. Well, he's 6-4, 205. 6-4. And then Jamal Moore is 6-3, 205. And then Allison six three two zero two. So Equanime St Brown is the biggest guy, and and again he he showed really well at times in college. Uh, you know, I talked about how he had, in my opinion, a, a horrible quarterback for the most part at Notre Dame. Ninety third percentile in speed score. His best comparison is Tyrell Williams. I just think if he's given a shot, he's going to be good but i do think it's going to be hard for him to beat out mvs because he already has somewhat of that rapport with rodgers and we've seen with rodgers and brady more than anybody else you have to have their trust for him to get you the ball and and it, for me esb did not show enough last year to earn rodgers trust now maybe that happens maybe in training camp preseason or whatever that happens but if i had to lean one or the other i would take mvs over the other two Uh, I'm right there with you. I'm not really sure I'm on Allison. I I want to be because he's been in that offense for so long, you would think that him being there for three years now, that he's got the rapport with Rodgers. They're going to be able to kind of connect. Like I said, he was actually doing really good last year.
0: Geronimo Allison in 2018 caught 20 passes for 303 yards and two touchdowns. So he did average 15 yards per reception. He's going into his fourth year. You know, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago with, with the guys from the back row show. Yeah, He didn't have a third-year breakout. Uh, and so I don't know that I'm going to expect a fourth-year breakout out of Geronimo Allison. Now, I will say Allison is 24 and MVS is 24 also. You know, the difference is... Allison's going into his fourth year in the league and Scantling's going into his second Um, So that that is a little bit of a uh, Yeah, I guess it gives you know Scantling had he stayed in college longer had a later breakout age. He's got that going against him versus St. Brown who's two years younger uh jamon moore's 23 so he's in the middle of the two and he didn't do anything really he caught two passes in his rookie year so i you know i like scantling i think he's gonna he was the most pro ready last year Uh, i think he's gonna prove he's the most pro ready this year and he'll step up into that number two role uh pretty good and that leaves the number three role to come down to Allison and uh, St. Brown, you know, Jamon Moore and a bunch of other guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, So, like I said, I'm right there with you for the most part. Uh, I would, if I had to take one of those guys, go MVS. but I really do like Equanimity St. Brown, and and I would not be surprised if, if he really does have kind of like a breakout this year. It, but it's all going to come down if he can earn if he can earn Rogers' trust, and there's really just no way for us to know if he will or won't. At the tight end, um, I, I'm not sure this is necessarily a battle, uh, but we have Jimmy Graham there, who a lot of people obviously kept, hoped when he signed with the Packers last year that this is going to be kind of a revival for him, and he was going to return back to that top ten, you know, tight end landscape. Um, just did not have a great year. They drafted Jay Sternberger, who I am a huge fan of. I actually have him ranked and had him ranked ahead of Irv Smith in my tight end rankings. However,
0: yes, he you is, did.
1: he's raw. He he's not going to be ready this year, in my opinion. I would not be surprised if he gets out there at times because he is just a phenomenal offensive weapon. He's not going to be used as a full time tight end this year. He really needs to improve on his blocking. That is the worst part of his game. So, do you expect this to be any kind of battle, or do you expect this to pretty much be Graham's show for the entire year?
0: I, I think that, you know, they also have Mercedes. They signed Mercedes Lewis, and then they, they just signed today, I think, or maybe yesterday, Michael Roberts, who Detroit had traded to New England, and they failed his physical, and then Detroit released him, and so now he's there. So, they've all of a sudden got a bunch of depth, at tight end, the problem with their depth is that the best of it is uh, Jimmy Graham, who's a shell of his former self, and Jay Sternberger so I think Lewis and Roberts will take the blocking role and Graham and Sternberger will take the receiving role and it's going to be Graham as the mentor to Sternberger, so I don't think Sternberger gets a ton of run this year you know, they like to run, they've got a big, a good wide receiving core. They don't use a ton of fullback, even though they have a fullback on their roster. Uh, but so I think they tend to run a lot of three wide receiver sets. So I'm not in on Sternberger this year. To me, he's a draft and stash. I think Graham is going to continue his decline. But Rodgers is going to end up with, he's going to have probably one of the best wide receiver cores he's ever had. And so I don't think the tight end is going to really matter that much when it comes to productivity. And it's not like the wide receivers aren't big. He's got, most of his wide receivers are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". So they've got, they, they're, They won't necessarily need to use Graham as that high-point red zone threat because they've got wide receivers they can do that with.
1: Yeah, I think in all honesty, I think what you were just saying, I think that's all they will use Jimmy Graham for, though. Just going back and looking at his numbers from last year, so he finishes the tight end 14 with 103 points. Uh, This is half-point PPR. Uh, I'll just read this off real quick. 1.8, 12.5, 7.0, 9.6, 10.6, 12.9, 2.6, 3.5, 1.9, 1.8, 4.4, 9.0, 2.3, 4.7, 4.9, 3.6. With reading all those off, you had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Six games that were decent for tight end. Those were all the games that he scored touchdowns in. Outside of that, he did absolutely nothing I would imagine that's exactly how they're going to use him this year. And and again, six. That was six different weeks, so six out of 13. So half the year he scored a touchdown. I would imagine it's going to be something like that again this year, but I would not be surprised if he takes a serious dip in there as you were just talking about with the wide receivers because, again, I just talked about how I think ESB could have a big year this year. If ESB comes out and, and kind of gets his confidence going and gets a nice rapport there with Aaron Rodgers, ESB is is by far right now a more phenomenal athlete than Jimmy Graham is and only a little bit smaller, at least height-wise, than him. I think that he could very easily start stealing away some red zone looks for him, but I think that's all of where Jimmy Graham's uh, value comes from really is just being a red zone threat i, I don't see he's not going to be that guy who does anything in between the 20s on the field now he's not gonna be that guy who's gonna get you 15 20 yak yards uh whenever he gets the ball he's gonna get you like two and a half before he falls over because he's just right he, he's just an older player he's 32 now you, you could see it last year he just it seems like his his better years are way far behind yeah him, so the lower
0: body injuries have caught up yeah, with him pretty pretty quickly
1: yeah he he's unfortunately fallen off of a cliff and, and I would agree it's probably more than likely due to all of the lower body injuries all right so here we go the Detroit Lions so if you guys could see my show sheet right here I have like none 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 on all my key, on all my battles here because I just don't think there are many not that that's a bad thing I actually think that's kind of a good thing in the fact that the Lions have their roster I think sort of played out to where they want it. However, you are a huge Detroit Lions fan, uh, so I'm just going to kind of let you have this segment. We'll touch on each position. You can give us your thoughts on it. We obviously know there's no real battle at quarterback uh, here with Matthew Stafford unless unless you think differently. So, Matt Stafford, is he battling for his job this year in Detroit?
0: Nah, Stafford's he's just about as safe as they come. I agree. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing for him is, he needs the offensive line to continue to gel you know Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker on the left side uh you know they they have uh undrafted uh unrestricted free agent Kenny Wiggins uh, at guard Ricky Wagner they they signed from Baltimore a couple of years ago so they they do need to to build some depth in their offensive line you know it was pretty it was a pretty challenging year uh couple years ago when Taylor Decker went down with an injury they didn't really have uh, a left tackle that could step in and play at a high level. You know, They have some depth at the offensive line so I think Stafford is prime for a, a bounce back year. You know, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay uh, they have two veteran wide receivers that make up uh, a really nice duo. Uh, last year I wrote a series of Articles called dynamic duos. I did it with four running backs and wide receivers and uh, one of the combos I did last year was uh, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones in Detroit I think I could just about rewrite the article this year using Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones uh, Galladay's game is quite different from Golden Tate, but Galladay is a, a really good receiver He's big he gets down the field makes good catches contested catches uh, Marvin Jones still has good speed. He's starting to get up there in years. They did sign Danny Amendola and Jermaine Curse as their slot guys. I've never been a Danny Amendola fan. Uh, you know, I think it's Swag who always refers to Amendola as ambulance Mendola or something like that. Am- ambulance Mendola, ambulance Mendola. It's easy for me to say. Uh, you know, I think it. Amandola is going to play a few games and get injured. Jermaine Kearse, I I think he's had a he's had a couple streaks where he's looked really good, and so if he can stay healthy, uh, potentially he could be that third wide receiver that Detroit needs from the slot to really solidify that unit. Value if you're value shopping, you're going to go get Marvin Jones. If you're paying up for a stud wide receiver, you you've got Kenny Galladay Uh, at running back there's a lot of talk about using a committee. Uh, they signed CJ Anderson to back up carry on Johnson, uh, drafted Ty Johnson out of Maryland. Uh, Theo Riddick is still there as the receiving back that though he seems to have really, uh, got progressively worse each of the past few years. I, I think the job is carry on Johnson's as long as he shows he can stay healthy. Uh, Part of the challenge with him is that he uh, isn't afraid of contact. And at 6'2", 15, I think, you know, he's willing to put his shoulder down. I, I watched him uh, play at Auburn uh, two years ago. There were a couple games I watched, and it was like, man, I don't know why that dude's not coming off the field. He just is a tough son of a gun. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of On Johnson. Uh, but there's a reason CJ Anderson, uh, keeps bouncing around and it's not because people are looking for a place to make him a starter. He's a professional running back. He can come in. He's going to not make mistakes. He's going to learn your offense, but he's not spectacular. So he'll come in, he'll play. Okay. He's going to be the backup. They've got Zach Zenner. There's no real, uh, Unless on Johnson gets injured, there's no real competition in Detroit. Johnson's a a good receiver, a real good running back. I think the more interesting thing is what's going to happen at tight end. They drafted Hawkinson. Uh, I think there's been a couple tight ends come into the league recently that have spoiled us with their productivity. Hawkinson could potentially be that guy. He's a... Uh, he's one of the most well rounded tight ends to come in the league in the past few years. They signed Jesse James, and so James is going to get some playing time. But I think Hawkinson might very well uh, win the starting job right out of training camp and then be in a position where Jesse James, because of his experience, plays more stats than we might initially expect.
1: Yeah, so what I wanted to, to read off here um, really quick, and, and it's going to lead into my question I have for you on this team. So Matt Stafford, from 2011 up until 2017, was a top-10 quarterback every year. 5,000 yards in 2011 with 41 touchdowns and uh, 16 interceptions 4,900 yards with 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions, so on and so forth. Pretty much 4,000 yards, 20-plus touchdowns every year. Last year, we saw a pretty significant dip for him, at least not necessarily with yards. I mean, he dropped down to about 3,777 with 21 touchdowns and 11 interceptions do you think that you? I know you were just talking about the offensive line and how they need to kind of come together and play better and gel better than what they did last year. Is that your biggest issue with Matt Stafford? Do you think if they can, they you know form a nice cohesive bond and then play well together, that Matt Stafford has a chance to get back into the top ten at quarterback? Or do you think we we kind of saw the last shot of him being a top ten quarterback last year?
0: No, I I think he's definitely has the talent. I think it's going to come down to the type of offense Daryl Bevel decides to run Bevel isn't known for running high volume offenses that throw the ball around a ton so there's definitely going to be uh some regression not from last season I think I I think he's going to go up from the 3700 yards but probably won't throw for the f- almost 4500 yards he had in 2017 so i can see him settling in at around you know 4200 4100 yards 25 touchdowns um, but it, it it's I, I don't think he's gonna breach the 600 attempt threshold you know in 2012 he threw the ball 727 times uh, I, I don't think that's gonna happen uh, he's probably gonna be more in the range of six hundred and sixty, six hundred and eighty 680 attempts, uh, maybe 650. So, or excuse me, 550, not 650. So if he's in that 550 range, 575, 580, you know, he could still put up top 12 numbers, uh, especially if they're efficient. But if Bevel decides he's gonna run you know, 55 plays a game and 30 of them are going to be handoffs. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, it's, uh, it wouldn't, it, it it is one of those things that can really hamper a, an offense is when they, they start uh, limiting the number of plays Detroit finished last year. So they were 12th in plays last year. So if they stay around that range, 10, 12, 14, you know, he should be able to, to maintain a top 12 season right around that.
1: All right. What about Kenny G? Uh, obviously really kind of, I think, cementing himself as the number one last year, kind of a breakout season for him, phenomenal season last year. Finished as the 21st wide receiver for uh, Fantasy. How high do you think he will be able to go up this next year? So just to give you a little bit of context, he finished with 171 points at 21, right behind Calvin Ridley who finished with 174, though I would say Calvin Ridley was more his multiple three-touchdown games compared to the yards and everything that Kenny Galladay was able to put up. So, uh, I mean, you're looking all the way up to right around 15 where Odell Beckham finished was about 20 points out. So, how high up do you think he can shoot from twenty-one, or do you think that's the range he's going to fall every year? Is kind of like the middle to back end of a wide receiver two category.
0: I I definitely think that Daryl Bevel is going to be the the thing that keeps him from approaching that wide receiver one. You know, last year he had one hundred and nineteen targets, uh, and that was with trading Golden Tate away. Theo Riddick had seventy-four targets, so is is as long as Riddick is getting targets like that, it, it could, you know, that's going to cut into him. Uh, I think probably 120 targets is Galladay's ceiling. So if if uh, he's getting 120, 125 targets and turning in a 60% catch rate, I, I think that mid-level wide receiver two is is probably where you're going to see him land on a pretty consistent basis.
1: Well, that wraps up our NFC North camp battles, guys. Uh, we appreciate you guys listen, listening to the, us and this episode. If you have a minute, please rate and review. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Again, there's still uh, one spot open in the Listener League for that. Uh, listener League shirts. Hopefully all you guys saw me tweet out uh, what the picture looks like. Once we draft, I will be reaching out to each of you through Twitter DMs to get your sizes and where we can send those shirts to you. In 2019, 10 random people came together to form the Knights of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. They challenged the host of this program fantasy battle. In hopes of dethroning one of these hosts, proving that they themselves are the best in all of fantasy. Lore. The fight will rage on through the entire 2019 season. Will one of these ten owners be able to dethrone? Just a little thing me and Dennis have talked about really quick. So for those of you who are listening, we are planning on doing not necessarily a, a live live draft is in everybody together, but we will be doing a draft one night. Uh, we haven't decided on that yet. Obviously we'll wait for everybody to get in the league, but me and Dennis are actually going to record while drafting. We were going to kind of do a live uh, podcast-slash-drafting that we are both really excited to, to do, and we are also planning on bringing you guys, the listeners, on with us to talk about your teams and how you think your draft is going. Uh may end up being split into two episodes as we do know drafts can kind of go long, uh, but we are excited to kind of do that. Um, so for the new Listener League, uh, I, I've been uh, doing a lot of debut work here. Me and, uh, me and Dennis have actually been talking about possibly doing a kind of 2020 class talk and breakdown here for the college football season here soon. We'll, we'll probably do that after we finish the division breakdown. So for me, what I'd like to see you guys do is uh, drop a gif or picture of your favorite college team or college player. You can tag me at Sports Fanatic M&B, or you can tag Dennis at Culture underscore Coach or you can tag the... The Roundtable Twitter, which is at ff round Table. You can tag any of us. Uh, dr- oh, at no,
0: Roundtable FF. Sorry,
1: Roundtable FF. I, I, I did that backwards. So do not tag at ff FFRoundtable. Tag at Roundtable FF. Tag any three of us with a picture, again, of your favorite college team or a GIF of your favorite team or player, uh, and we will pick two. Users out of that randomly, and you guys will get into the listener league, and that'll pretty much fill up the entire listener league outside of the rate and review person, which we're still waiting to get to 30 so that we can pick someone out of there. So, uh, that right there, I think, pretty much does it for us. I don't, I don't have anything else. Uh, Dennis, you have anything to add? Oh, we've got a question, a question sent to you from one of our listeners. So go ahead, one of our, one of
0: our favorite, uh, listeners, Ricky, uh, member of the listener league. So, Ricky posed a question. He said, so with first-time NBA champion, uh, first-time NHL champion, he wants to know, do we think that the Browns, being fans that we are, uh, can be first-time Super Bowl champions? So what do you think, Matt? The Browns going to go all the way this year?
1: I don't think so, but just to, just to preface in case uh, you guys – don't pay attention to other leagues. The The Toronto Raptors, congratulations to them, won the N, uh, NBA championship this year and the uh, St. Louis Blues for the first time in their history as well won the NHL NHL championship last Wednesday, actually, when we were recording with Kyle and Brandon. It uh, was a little awkward. I did get a couple notes about that, me talking about the Blues score in the podcast, and, and I put it up on Thursday, and, and the, the game was on Wednesday. But anyways, uh, I don't. Um, as much as I love the Browns, as much as I would love for them to go to the Super Bowl this year, I don't. I do think they are playoff contenders, and I I don't think they're far off from a Super Bowl, but I don't think they necessarily have a Super Bowl team this year. I do think they need to improve their defense. I could be wrong, uh, but I I feel like their linebacking core is a little bit weak, and I I love the addition of Greedy Williams in the drafts, but I need to kind of see him and Denzel Ward play next to each other and see if they can both be shut down corners before I believe it because the Browns, Defense last year was, and really the past, I would say five six years, has been really bad in the secondary. Now Denzel Ward did kind of start to switch that narrative a little bit last year and how well he played, but he was also injured a lot as well and missed a lot of games. So I love their defensive front with Garrett Richardson, uh, not Og, but um, um, uh, Larry Ogden Joby. Love those guys. I I think they're phenomenal. I love Joe Schobert right there in the linebacking core, Uh, but I think that their linebacking core is their weakest part of their defense. If I'm going to be honest in that, I think their offense is going to be one of the top ones in the league. I think it, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, you know, crime to say that. I think they'll be battling with Kansas city for the best offense in the league. I know Patrick Mahomes is considered to be a God. I've I've said that many times on the podcast, but uh, if I were to look at it first time, super bowl champions out of, out of the NFL, I mean, for me, if I was picking someone out of the AFC, I'd probably say I I like the Chargers best. I I still think they have the best overall team that doesn't get a lot of love in the AFC. Uh, They've got a great offense, a really good defense. I I think, interestingly enough, the one thing they need to improve is their linebackers as well. We saw the the Patriots kind of exploit that in the playoffs last year with them using, I think it was like eight defensive backs and using defensive backs in the linebacker positions last year in in that playoff game against the Patriots, and they really exploited that. Uh, But for me, I think if I had to pick one team that hasn't won one uh, in the AFC, it would be the Chargers. What about you, Dennis?
0: You know, I don't know if I can just uh, pick a team. I I agree with you. I think the Browns, they have to – they're going to – I suppose if they stay healthy – because I think that the number one thing that l- helps get a team to and to win the Super Bowl through the playoffs and to win the Super Bowl is if the team stays healthy. We do have some questions at left tackle with Greg Robinson. You know, he's a cast off from another team well, former first round pick who didn't now. seem to pan out.
1: He got cut. Oh, did he? Yeah, he got cut. He was showing up late to meetings and everything and they let him go.
0: Oh I thought that was Desmond Harrison. Oh
1: God was it Desmond Harrison Maybe I messed up It probably was Harrison because
0: the the uh, the Cardinals signed uh, grabbed Harrison off yeah, the waiver. I'm
1: but, mixing up my guys here yeah you're right it, it's Harrison.
0: So we we have a couple you know a couple questions on the offensive line that have to to get worked out. Now obviously Baker's got decent mobility and uh, he, he's a playmaker. With Chubb and Duke and, uh, eventually Kareem Hunt, we've got a super solid, uh, running game, athletic tight end, great wide receivers with Jarvis and OBJ, Callaway and, uh, uh Richard Higgins. So we've, we've got some firepower on offense. So staying healthy is really gonna be the key. And if we stay healthy all year, then I think we have as good a shot as anybody. Are we going to stay healthy? You know, I'm not going to go on record and say yes. I think there's uh, and, until we see how the team shakes out. You know, maybe later in the year. So I'm going to hedge my bets. I don't. I don't think it. I. I, I think they're going to be definitely pushing for a playoff spot. Um, Cincinnati and and Baltimore. I don't think they are going to make it. Ben has the capability to lift Pittsburgh up on his shoulders for a few games. They got a decent running back in uh, Connor. Uh, you know he's not great by any stretch of the imagination. They did lose uh, Antonio Brown, but Juju looks primed to step up. James Washington looks ready to step up. Uh, Deontay Johnson and Sidney Moncrief for uh, no Don. What the, what, what I forget Moncrief's first name. I always refer Dante. back to the old it's Dante. Milwaukee, Dante and Milwaukee Dante. Bucks guard.
1: Yeah, they're they're right there right. together. Deontay Johnson and Dante Moncrief.
0: Right. So you know, and if Pitt, so it's going to come down to Pittsburgh and Cleveland for winning the division. Uh, if if Cleveland doesn't win the division, are they going to have enough uh, uh, firepower, enough wins to get the wild card? So, I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year, but uh, I'm all in next year.
1: Yeah, like I said, I'm a, I would love it, man. I would be I the the amount of celebration that would go on in my household if they even just made the Super Bowl. I think that would be a huge achievement. And I'm right there with you. I, I honestly am I'm terrified of Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast before. I just don't think you can write them off. Um, I do think Big Ben is actually in line for a step back this year. I don't think he's going to have quite as good a year as a lot of others do, but it is Pittsburgh. They've always had a good defense. Mike Tomlin is a phenomenal coach. They're going to be good on offense. You know, I I don't think losing A.B. and Le'Veon Bell is as big a deal as others are making it out to be. We saw him play the whole year without Le'Veon Bell last year. Uh, I like James Washington. Uh, I like Juju Smith-Schuster. I think they'll find a way to make everything work. So I don't think you can write Pittsburgh off. I agree with you. I personally don't think Baltimore and Cincinnati are in it, obviously, you're going to have a lot of people that do think Baltimore's in it with the with the way that their defense usually plays. And obviously a lot of people are very high on Lamar Jackson in that offense. I just am not. Uh, but I, I, I'm right there with you. I, for me, a playoff contender, and obviously health being the biggest thing there, if they all stay healthy, I would be surprised if they don't win the division. Um, but I, I don't. God, it's so hard because I'm so used to just being completely disappointed every year uh, that I just – I think they'll make the playoffs. I'll put it that way. I I don't think they are Super Bowl contenders yet, but I would not be surprised if they made the Super Bowl because I do think that it's just a – you, the ball needs to bounce one way. I, I could honestly easily see them in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs or Patriots, and and all you need is the ball to bounce your way one time and end up winning that game, and then you're in the Super Bowl. And then the same thing. Who knows? It's one game. The better team on paper doesn't always win the game, so they could go up against the Los Angeles Rams, you know, just say they make it back uh, and, and beat the Rams, even though the Rams probably look better on paper. It doesn't matter. All you need is the ball to bounce your way one way. So um, I would love for it to happen, but I think they're easily playoff contenders, but I think they're a few pieces away from a Super Bowl team right now. That's just just my opinion and my take on the Browns. All right, so before we get out of here, uh, let's uh, get your, uh, I have already mentioned it, but where we can find you on Twitter and what you've got in the works uh, for the Dynasty Nerds.
0: Well, I am at culture underscore coach on Twitter and alongside you on this illustrious podcast. Uh, I do standard rankings for Dynasty Nerds as well as write for Dynasty Nerds, so you can see my stuff over there. Yes, I know, people do still play standard. Uh, Somebody's got to rank the players, Uh, so that's what I do. Um, Doing part of the 32 teams and 32 day series we got going on, we're rolling rolling out uh, a new team each day. Uh, and talking about the fantasy prospects of, of the teams. Um, my Chargers article went up a few days ago, a week ago maybe, uh, and I'm working on one for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, you know, we got an article coming out every day about it, so go check it out. we got a ton of great writers over at uh, uh, Dynasty Nerds, and it's pretty exciting to be a part of. Uh, if you haven't joined the Nerd Herd, we just uh, updated the Buy Sell tool, so now you can sort it and see who the, the writers all, all the members or all the um writers and contributors for ner- the dynasty nerds what is our consensus so you can sort by all of the must owns the, you know the guys you have to have on your team what do we think how do we rank them and you can check that out it's a pretty phenomenal tool
1: yeah, I have I have yet to participate in that part of it yet. I've, I've really kind of focused on, on, on the Debbie stuff. Obviously, I do Debbie ranks for them. So if you guys want to check that out, me, Ray, Garrett uh, all have. And I think John actually does Dyna, Debbie ranks as well. Uh, you can separate them out, see who we like personally. And then it gives you a, a kind of uh, idea of where we think, um, goodness, why can't I think of the word right now? Yeah. Um, Good, why? I I feel like an idiot right now. Uh, Consensus, there we go. Golly, am I stupid. Uh, The consensus ranks of where we have each of the Debbie players. And uh, I put up on Twitter, for any of you who follow me, if you don't follow me on Twitter, Uh, I will be focusing right now. Instead of just doing a a single article about each player, uh, I'm going to do a combined article with my top 10 running backs to watch coming into this college football season. Not all of these guys will be 2020 eligible running backs either. There's uh, a couple guys right now I have on my list. I'm trying to dwindle it down to 10. I've got 14 guys on there right now, um, and about five of them are actually uh, 2021 eligible. But they're guys that I I think you guys should watch with the college football season, obviously just a couple months away. God, I can't get here quick enough because I do love me some college football. So, guys, thank you so much again for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We would really appreciate it. Check us out. Obviously, uh, when I post this tweet, you can check us out on all your various formats and check out fulltimefantasy.com as well. Our podcast will be up there along with a lot of other great podcasts uh, that we are proud, again, to be a part of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcasting Network. Dennis, I will talk to you again on Thursday. Have a great day. Right on. Prepare
0: for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Do you got your pop on red. I came like out the win, line, already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown.
1: I would be honored if you played football on the Throw Throwing up above his head, they can't jump with me, guys. Only tackle to the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.